0: Pine, I am calling to you, husband I am singing to you, Redwood Hear this song Birch, bark, weeping willow Keepers Givers of life To these lungs May I open my ears And surrender What will you tell me How can I tell I tend to
1: the ones who pour life through these lungs. Samhain by Annie Finch In the season leaves should love, since it gives them leave, to move through the wind towards the ground. They were watching while they hung. Legend says there is a seam stitching darkness like a name. Now, when dying grasses veil earth from the sky in one last pale wave as autumn dies to bring winter back, and then the spring, we who die ourselves can peel back another kind of veil that hangs among us like thick smoke. Tonight, at last, I feel it shake. I feel the nights stretching away, thousands long behind the days, till they reach the darkness where, all of me is ancestor. I move my hand and feel a touch move with me, and when I brush my own mind across another, I am with my mother's mother. as footsteps in my waiting self, I find her, and she brings arms that carry answers for me. Intimate, a waiting bounty, carry me, she leaves this trail through a shudder of the veil, and leaves, like amber where she stays, a gift for her perpetual gaze. Samhain, the death of the old year, the beginning of the new. Three days it takes to transition a year. One to farewell the death of the old year, one to welcome the birth of the new year, and one in between, that belongs to no time and no place and no person. An entire day between the veils of the here and now, between yesterday and today, between today and tomorrow. A day to transition from the warm half to the cold half of the year, the day and the time of the ancestors, the deceased and the departed. The Celts did not fear the dead. It is said they held these days and this time of year in great reverence, reverence for the departed, healthy fear for the she or the fae, reverence for prophecy and looking towards the new year that we find at the end of the cold dark cycle of winter, reverence for the crone, for the dark mothers, for the underworld. From womb to tomb and tomb to womb, we greet and move through this ending and beginning. Welcome, dear ones, to summer's end. Welcome to Samhain. Welcome to Episode 8 of Season 2 of Animisma, All Things Inspirited. This is the final episode and the final mark on the wheel of the year. My name is Heather Louise, and I'm so deeply grateful that you've found your way to my quiet, gentle, mysterious and mythical forested corner of the digital realm. If this is the first time we are meeting, it is my honor to connect with you. And if it's not the first time we're meeting, welcome, welcome back. I am a spiritualist and an eternal student of mythic wisdom who lives in veneration of the earth, our earth home. My work is deeply inspired by my Celtic heritage and tends to revolve around honoring and connecting with the natural world, Celtic myths and legends and the gentle reclamation of personal sovereignty. I partner with story, poem, and song to create spaces for people to directly connect to nature, spirit, and self in ways that are authentic and true for them. As many do, I live as a convergence of blood, bone, language, and culture. My blood ancestors, those whose face I wear, travelled from Scotland and Ireland to the land known in the common tongue as Australia, where I was born into this life, onto the ancestral lands of the Camaragal clan of the Eora Nation. Like my ancestral kin, I too have travelled across the world and, at least for now, find myself living in the high desert in view of some old mountains in the middle of what is known as the United States of America on the ancestral lands of the Ute, Arapaho and Ocheti shakawan the seven council fires. As a living Celtic convergence, my offering is one of connection to spirit and nature for all those who are woven of many threads, and who are drawn towards honoring the cycles of the seasons, the natural world, and all of its inhabitants, tree, flower, feathered, finned, elemental, animal, spirit, all. So, to you, my dear listener, my dear kin, wherever and whenever you find yourself, whether you're here with me in 2022 or listening from the future, I honor the spirits of the land that you are on and the land that I am on. And I gratefully acknowledge all who come in spirit form to be of support, to provide guidance and wisdom, and to hold us while we connect with the spirit of the earth and her seasons through these beautiful festivals. Thank you, and a hundred thousand welcomes, friends. I'm so happy that you're here. There are two times along the wheel of the year when I feel the deepest magics. Bjaltana or Beltane for the light, and Samhain, for the dark. This dark time, the end and the beginning of the wheel, is a time for honouring and communing with the ancestors and the departed. Not only my human ancestors, also the ancestors of stone, leaf and sky, the ancestors of the lands that I live on or find myself on. It's a time to honour, a time to prepare a seat at my table, such that any and all know that they are welcome in my humble home. I leave food for the Fae, and the ancestors milk and wine sometimes whiskey so as they pass through the veils they too know that they are remembered and that not all people have forgotten the old ways the ways of the land the tree the star and the heart many say it is to appease their mischief that we leave offerings others say it's to honor their presence for me it's an offering of kinship to live in a relational way with all that is around me, well, that for me is the path of integrity, the path of wholeness, the path of my ancestors, the wise and the well ones, the ones who pass down to me their love of the earth and their knowing of the cloud faces and storm voices, the language of the plants and the flowers, the dance of the bees, and the song of the stones. Today, On this last episode of Season 2 of Animisma, All Things Inspirited, I invite you to take a moment to reflect on your inheritance. Perhaps pause gently around things that may be hard and painful. They are certainly not to be dismissed or passed over. Just for this exercise, simply paused and held with gentle hands while you turn your gaze towards all that you have gained from your ancestors, perhaps without even knowing. Perhaps you are tall and graceful. Perhaps you are small and graceful. Perhaps you have strong legs and strong arms. Perhaps you have a swift and bright mind. Perhaps you have a compassionate and gentle heart. Perhaps you have a compassionate and fierce heart. Perhaps you have the cunning and can hear the herbs sing and understand the flight of birds. Perhaps you make joy and laughter for those around you. Perhaps you have the courage to lead with grace and care. Perhaps you're an artist and can move shapes and form through your hands. Perhaps the world of numbers and formulas moves through you with ease. Perhaps you're a musician and with a voice or hand, bring the universal languages of rhythm and music into your home or community. Perhaps you're a kitchen witch, capable of partnering with all of nature's bounty to bring beauty to the tongue and to the table. Perhaps you speak the language of animals, either domesticated or wild, or both. Whatever you are, whoever you are, you are here, in divine right. And though you may also have inherited pain, you too have inherited magics. Sometimes they're buried or shelved or forgotten. This ancestral time of shadow and ancestors is a perfect time to ask for them, your ancestors, to remind you of who they are so you can know who you are. You, dear listener, dear kin, you are transcendent. You are divine. Through all the terror of this life and this world, within you lies the heart of a star, and like all stars, it shines through all darkness. You are the embodiment of hope itself, the hope of your ancestors, your great, 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 great grandparents' dream come true. You, for however long you are here, you dream walking, dream waking. Dream divine. Speaking of divine, this season has been devoted to the plants and trees we partner with around the Wheel of the Year. We have met so many extraordinary and wise spirits from Yule or the winter solstice all the way around to the day we have today, which is Sawan. We have walked through forests and along deer trodden paths, We've sat on sacred rocks and in divine circle. We've dreamed and connected, wandered and wondered. At this end and beginning, we are held by some more truly amazing creatures of the natural world, and I'd love to take a moment to share a little about them with you. This day of endings is, of course, also a day of beginnings, and it's also a day for undertaking divination practices to prophesize the upcoming year. It's an interesting and ancient tradition that was undertaken at this time. Partnering with our wise and well ancestors, whose sight is much further than our own, is a wonderful way to peer into the possibilities of the year ahead. For now, let's begin with the Elder Tree. Elder. The Tree of Witches the Elder Mother, the Great Queen Tree, Tree of Strength, and Tree of Darkness. This triple goddess tree is most closely associated with the crone aspect, and so is honoured and revered at Samhain. To burn elder wood was considered a terrible omen, especially in the home, Uh, which makes sense because if you burn elder wood, you release cyanide upon its burning. Elder are to be left in their natural state and, if cut, are known to make beautiful hedgerows with a simple placement in the ground. Elder is a tree of regeneration and renewal, so it makes sense that it is honoured at this time on the wheel. It is a tree of transformation, bringing blessing and wisdom to times of transition and change. According to my beloved Glenny Kindred, At Samhain, the last of the berries, these are elderberries, which have become very popular in recent time for immunity, I think I'll get to that shortly, but the last of the berries were picked with solemn rites, and the wine from these berries was considered to be the last sacred gift of the earth goddess before the winter came, and was highly valued, drunk ritually to invoke prophecy and divination. Elderberries are an immunity powerhouse and support colds, coughs and bronchitis, breaking down congestion and soothing sore throats. So, not only is the spiritual wisdom of this sacred tree relevant to this time on the wheel, the berries support so much healing of illness that makes its way around humans at this time too. What an exquisite gift these trees are. What An incredible partner, protector, and guide. Blessed be this sacred tree. Blessed be the Elder. The Blackthorn Also known as the Dark Crone of the Woods, this shrub is often found near Elder and its sister tree, the Hawthorn. It is a protector of place. Its dark spines are dotted with slow berries, from which slow jam and slow gin is created. Traditionally, blackthorn is used in protection against evil, creating boundaries, purifying and confronting our own dark side. Blackthorn dispels negativity, toxins, old wounds and impurities and is associated with the magnificent dark goddess, the Morrigan. Blackthorn is used for protection as well as purification, ridding the atmosphere of negative energy. It helps us to face our deepest and most hidden issues. Blackthorn can purify our minds of negative thoughts and impulses at the deepest level of our psyche and can aid us in combating fear, depression and anger, often themes that can arise when we visit a day of the departed and the deceased. The thorns of the blackthorn can be imagined lancing the built-up abscesses of negative thoughts that we have within ourselves and around ourselves, and it can release emotional toxins, so we can then begin to heal. Using the blackthorn's gentler sister tree, the hawthorn, um, in conjunction with blackthorn, can really aid in the process of healing. Blessed be the dark plants that purge us of our burdens. What an extraordinary gift they are. Blessed be the blackthorn. Croneswort. I am particularly blessed to have croneswort. Uh, it's also known as mugwort, growing in my wee front garden. This incredible herb of Samhain was one of the nine sacred herbs of ancient times. The others are plantain, lamb's cress, betony, chamomile, nettle, crab apple, chervil, and fennel. Crone's wort enhances clairvoyance, dream, and journey work, and its Latin name, Artemisia, means gift of Artemis. And Artemis, of course, is the goddess of the hunt, wild animals, plants, the moon, and chastity. Crone's Wort is also known as Wormwood, and it is used in vermouth and absinthe, and thought to bring the green fairy forward in modern times. This herbal healer supports the elderly and supports connections with the ancestors. I like to partner with it through either tea or burning its dried leaves and being enveloped by its smoke. Croneswort was the first plant tea I drank where the dreaming veils were lifted and I was able to remain safely in my body while I walked through the imaginal realms. It was really quite spectacular. Blessed be this sacred herb of nine. Blessed be Croneswort. On this Samhain... I would love to share with you some of the recent pilgrimage I took to my ancestral, maternal ancestral home to Alaba, which is the Gaelic word for Scotland. There I was able to visit many places where the spaces between the realms are still thin, where the mountains and the mosses move at the corner of your eye, where rainbows were almost as prolific as the waterfalls that poured from the highland mountains. I visited the home of the 1,600-year-old fairy flag of Clan MacLeod at Dunvegan Castle, the Fairy Bridge of Stein, and the Fairy Glen of Balnanoch, where I lay on a hill behind the glen, and I was flanked by two waterfalls, twin waterfalls, and the whole hillside was peppered with these beautiful black-faced sheep, and I asked the spirits of the land and the mist simply to hold me. It was a deeply nourishing moment and um, one I would encourage anyone to undertake. You don't have to pilgrimage to the Celtic lands to be nourished and held by the earth. We simply just have to lie on her. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the fairy flag at Dunvegan Castle. Dunvegan is on the far northwest coast. And it's an extraordinary place. The castle, of course, like most castles in um, Scotland, was originally a fort. And it was renovated into a family home, I think, around five or 600 years ago. The fairy flag is really extraordinary. And what I love about it is it's a living myth, a true living legend of a clan that is held in great reverence. And I feel really blessed that I was able to see it in the flesh or in the flag. It's called Ambrata Si, which means the fairy flag, and it is one of Clan MacLeod's most treasured possessions. It's believed it's probably from Syria or Rhodes, and it's woven of silk, um, and they know it was woven in about the 4th century AD. Legend has it that this sacred clan banner has miraculous powers. When it's unfurled in battle, the clan would invariably snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. I'm taking this from the Dunvegan website, and you are more than welcome to visit. Just search for Fairy Flag Dunvegan, D-U-N-V-E-G-A-N. The traditional tales about the fairy flag's origin can be split into two distinct themes: fairies and crusaders. The fairy stories are difficult to relate to fact, and often come about as a substitute for forgotten truth. So they say. I found it to be very energized by fairy. And of course, when we talk about Celtic fae, this is not the small nature sprite or tinkerbell size fairy that has been popularized by Disney in recent decades. The fae are a great people, arguably very tall, Sometimes small. There are many different people of spirit and inter spirits that my Celtic ancestors worked with and were in relationship with. And so, of course, take all things with a grain of salt, including people's skepticism around the Fae, because I visited places on my journey recently where there's no human explanation for the beauty and the energetics and the feelings and sensations that can be experienced in wild and natural places. I'll get back to it. (laughs) Here are three versions of the origin of the fairy flag. We'll start with the Crusader version. The Crusader version said that a MacLeod on a crusade to the Holy Land received food and shelter from a hermit in a mountain pass. The hermit warned him that an evil spirit, a destroyer of true believers, guarded the pass and that he needed a piece of the true cross to proceed. However, the MacLeod slew the spirit, who was the daughter of Thunder, Nene Pupere. Before she died, she revealed to him the future of his clan, directing him to take her girdle and make a banner of it, and to make a staff of her spear. I won't lie, I'm a little bit sceptical about the Crusader version. I much prefer the fairy versions. It's my own bias and I will own it. The fairy tower version goes as follows. One night, when there was a feast being held at Dunvegan, a nurse put the chief's son in his cradle in the fairy tower. And yes, there is a fairy tower at Dunvegan. And yes, I did visit it and joined the party in the keep. The baby became restless and kicked off his blanket, whereupon a fairy came to comfort him, wrapping him in a silken shawl. When the nurse collected the child and brought it down in his fairy robe, the room became filled with the sound of unseen singers singing the fairy lullaby. That feels very reasonable to me. (laughs) And the fairy bridge version is, once upon a time, a fairy married a MacLeod chief. They lived together for one year and a day, after which the fairy had to return to the fairy lands. They parted company at the fairy bridge, which is near Dunvegan. I also visited the fairy bridge. As a farewell present, she gave him the banner, telling him that whenever he was hard pressed in battle, waving it would bring victory, whatever the odds. She warned him, however, that it would produce this magic three times only. During two major clan battles, which were documented at the time, the chief waved the fairy flag, which helped secure victory. Belief in the mystical power of Ambratahsi remains strong to this day. In 1939, a fire in the south wing threatened to destroy Dunvegan Castle. When the fairy flag was carried to safety, the wind dropped and the flames were seen to abate. During the Second World War, pilots from the clan carried its picture as a talisman. Dame Flora of Clan MacLeod reportedly offered to wave the flag on the white cliffs of Dover to harness its magical power to repel the German invasion. Whatever their truth, the chief and the clan have a profound respect for the fairy flag and its mystical power. As do I. And in the event you ever find yourself traveling to the magnificent Isle of Skye in Scotland, I highly recommend a visit to Dunvegan Castle and to its extraordinary gardens. So, to talk about my ancestral home, I was called back to Scotland by the Kalliach or the Kelach. She is the blue hag, the veiled one, and the creatrix of Scotland, one of the lands of my ancestors. And so it feels fitting during this ancestral celebration, where the veils are thinned and the spirits can freely move, to reflect a little on one of the dearest and fiercest goddesses that I know. It was the call of cosmic creation, the ancient feminine calling me home. She said, dragon, come to me, and I was carried along her breath of mist to the bone home of my people. I traveled to many of her homes, ending in Nevis, where I left a small offering of rose petals from my home across the seas by a tiny can I made as an offering to this great creatrix. It's hidden amongst the autumnal ferns next to a waterfall that started at the top of the mountain. Nevis, or it looks like Ben Nevis for those who might know it, is the tallest mountain in Scotland. The lands of my ancestors, they they own me, and I belong to them. I saw my face in many of the faces that I met, and I felt my heart and my humour in the trees and the humans. I heard countless stories from the stones, and I thought a lot about the Kalach, and the beginning and the ending of the Wheel of the Year. There's a lovely legend about the Kalach. In fact, there are many extraordinary, lovely legends about this fierce and incredible creator goddess. Some say the Kalach means the Veiled One, and she was the first being to live in Scotland after the ice let go its grip on the land many thousands of years ago. She is said to possess a hammer with which she created the mountains her staff piercing the ground, releasing waterfalls wherever she walked. She is a protector of the deer and warns them of hunters coming in the winter. She has mountain goats, whose white winter milk flows down the mountainside as the snow in the winter. At Samhain, she is said to leave her home on Biennivish, the highest mountain in Scotland, and when the storytellers see snow on the hills, they call it the Caler's plaid the Kalach having spread said plaid on the hills after first having taken it to the great Korifreken whirlpool to wash. She is a creatrix and before the clans and has no clan affiliations, and being the first, her plaid has no checks or stripes, it's as white as snow. It is said that when she grew weary with living, she could not die as she was immortal, and so she changed herself into her favourite, earliest manifestation, that of a giant, and lay herself down to an endless sleep. It wasn't in my time that she did so, or even in my grandfather's time, but it was well within the time of the storytellers, that is to say, a very, very long time ago. And so time passed, and soil collected upon her body, and all the plants of the glen grew there, until all that was left to see was a mighty mountain. Many storytellers claim their mountain was the Kalach, but no one knows for sure. We only know that when the mist is on the face of the mountain, any mountain, the storytellers say the Kalach has drawn her veil across her face. This mark on the wheel, Sawan, is her time, a time when voyagers will trek to her shrine as they have done interrupted for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years in Scotland, and bring her stone symbol back to the rivers below. At Bialtana, she'll be returned to her mountain shrine to rest during the warm part of the year. I plan to spend Samhain with my ancestors, in gratitude and warmth, sharing with them, listening to them, supporting them, and asking for some support in return. I also plan to spend some time with the Kaliach, learning from the veils of mist, scrying into the wells and pools of my inner world. I've spent a great deal of time in this lifetime healing from the trauma of my youth, focusing on understanding the painful inheritances that were passed my way. All the while, the inheritances of the earth, the relationships beyond humanity with spirit and element, held me and kept me safe. The ancient songs that sing in my bones were there for me, as they are there for all of us. And when we soften and seek to be in relationship with them, they become far more readily available. There are many in my loving community who seek to heal the pain of their lines, that seek to be a living ancestor, honouring their ancestral departed by going deep into the muddy, hard, healing work of being a human. And in healing themselves, the theory, of course, is that they heal their line. So it is said by some. On this ancestral day and final episode of Season 2 of Animisma, I'd like to share with you something that's coming, a prophecy of sorts. I've been called to write a memoir, my story of survival and the healing story of my mother and I. While steeped in the lands of her ancestors on a magical island in the Western Highlands, my ancestors showed me that this story, our story, is one that seeks to be shared As vulnerable and challenging as it is, and my heart hope is that once it is written and offered to the world, it can be added to the canon of stories that have come to heal our pasts, balm our presence, and offer our futures soft, wild, mossy boots with which to step gently along the stones and sands of our descendants' world. And to the trees... Blessed ancestors, wonders, wisdom keepers, homemakers, heart tenders, shade givers, guardians, portals, and kin of my green heart. Pine, I am calling to you. Aspen, I am singing to you. Redwood, hear this song. Birch bark, weeping willow. Dogwood, blooming moonlight. Cedar, let it fall, fall away. Oak, you bore my body. Bay, I bade you open these vessels. To receive your whispers, tender breath keepers, givers of life to these lungs, may I open my ears and surrender. What can you tell me? How can I tend you? How can I tend to the ones who pour life through these lungs. Oh, Ayla, your words are such a blessing, as is your song. Such a beautiful homage to our tree kin. And thank you, thank you for letting me use this song throughout this season of animisma. So to you all, thank you for joining me on this walk. I hope these podcasts can join you for years to come as you celebrate the turning of the wheel of the year. Season one's episode for Samhain has a lot more of the myth and law and legend of the celebration contained within it, and I'd absolutely encourage you to head over there and have a listen today. So in closing, may all that we do and say today and always be for the benefit of all beings. May we walk with integrity, honor, and grace. May we welcome our shadow forward in service of revealing to us all that needs tending as we walk in human form. May we never forget the passage of our ancestors, human and otherwise, that brought us into being, and may we honour the wise and the well ones for their guidance and support. May we honour the descendants, all of our kin, and may we commit ourselves to guide them, love them, and resurrect the wild beauty of our shared home this precious, glorious planet Earth. May we live our lives in safety, offered in service, guided by spirit. Thank you so, so dearly for joining me today and throughout this entire season of Animisma. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful to be able to share even just a little bit about the myths and legends and the wonders of the plants that we partner with around the Wheel of the Year. This episode was influenced by the blessed teachings of Sigurd Tauri and his Orkney jar, Isabella the Wand Carver, Glennie Kentred, Danu Forrest, and Claire Walker-Leslie. This concludes the second season of Animisma and our journey around the Wheel of the Year. While the next season is dreamed into being, may you be blessed beyond all measure and held lovingly by the earth and her wonders. May all of our choices be guided by our ancestors in service of the Earth's resurrection. Ayla Noreo's beautiful song and homage to our tree kin, Whispers, from her album The Code of the Flowers, was licensed for use with permission from Jumpsuit Records. Animisma this season has been brought to life by the brilliant and lovely Emily Osborne. You can learn more about her work at emilyosborne.co. If you'd like to hear more from me, I invite you to subscribe and share amongst your community. You're able to subscribe at thepathofintegrity.com forward slash subscribe or hloise.substack.com where I plan to start sharing more writing, storytelling and musings moving forward. Blessings of the great dark night and the great thinning veils be upon you and your ancestors, your dearly departed and all you hold dear. Thank you friends and bye for now.
0: here Keep... His